Yeah, I think in sort of typical fashion, in line with last year and kind of the whole podcast in general, this will be a little loose <laughs> and uh, light on the details. Was the night before Halloween, <laughs> and everybody the... <laughs> was asleep. And Chase was... was a creepin'. And Chase was a creepin'. Nobody, nobody was up except for a rat <laughs> or something. Huh? It's Halloween. It is Halloween. It's either Halloween when you're listening to this, or maybe perhaps the day after. But but hopefully, fingers crossed, it's Halloween. Spooky, spooky. This episode is coming out probably on Halloween, which I am thrilled about. The cosmic sort of connection that had to have happened there, meaning either now or seven years from now or seven years before, it's good. It's really nice. Yeah, you know, everything that we did last year for, for Halloween, for Spooky Month, was just in preparation of knowing that our release schedule would fall on Halloween <laughs> the coming year. This, it was all just a, a one big training training session. Yeah, training montage. We were training. Yeah. We were getting ready for this one. Wow. Now that I've said all this, I feel like I've hyped up a lot of us doing our okay. normal uh, sort yeah, everybody, of shit. <laughs> everybody take the hype meter and like crank it down two let's full just, levels let's just chill a little bit huh? that may have we may have kind of run off the rail there a little bit this is gonna be cool yeah, don't get me wrong it's, it it's still ourselves. halloween but huh? like you know it's gonna be kind of similar to the last episode and the next one so yeah yeah hey well cool hi hello it is video game podtimism it is the uh, optimist video game variety show where two best friends talk about the spooky wonderful world of video games my name is my, uh, my my name is Chase Goolsby. Chase Goolsby. Oh. I'm David Goulavides. Oh, another ghoul. Nice. We're just a couple of ghouls here. <laughs> couple of ghoul boys. You know how we are. Good old ghoul boys. No, I don't want to be a good old ghoul boy. I don't think I don't think that's good. That's even <laughs> scarier, isn't it? Ghoul boys. A good old a, a ghoul good boy. old good old ghoul boy. Good old, yeah. Good old does definitely suggest a certain amount of intolerance that i think doesn't apply really to ghouls i think ghouls are mostly very tolerant and open people well i mean would you rather interact with a ghoul boy mm -hmm. or a good old boy definitely a ghoul boy right i don't yeah i don't really know a lot about how a normal ghoul boy operates and so it's totally possible that yeah. they're chill chill yeah. yeah ghoul boy walks in to thanksgiving dinner i'm okay yeah good old boy walks into thanksgiving dinner i'm tough i'm prepared for some interesting conversations something for something to go down you know yeah. who my favorite rapper is david who ghoul boy q <laughs> ghoul boy q yeah oh man that's pretty that's that's I've been pretty trying, good i've been trying to find a, a pun with school and ghoul for a couple of minutes now just sort of putting the podcast on the back burner while my brain <laughs> slaves away trying to make a, a oh, yeah, good I joke i can do this i can I do this. something come on come on come on there's something in there. Is it middle ghoul? Did I go to middle ghoul? Middle in between ghoul. In, in between elementary ghoul and high ghoul? High ghoul sounds like high rule. Yeah, it's not quite as, as good. No, but middle not, ghoul not isn't good. terrible. Middle ghoul is probably the best. Elementary ghoul, that sounds like a Sherlock Holmes ghoul. Oh, were you home ghouled? Home ghouled. Oh, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds dirty. Ooh, you like, is, is it a good thing, bad thing? Bad thing. Mm. You don't want to be home ghouled. <laughs> 
it's never a positive outcome. <laughs> never positive. Um, yeah. Hey, have you been playing video games? Uh, I have been. Could I inquire about which ones? Yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened, but I only played Hades this past week. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it sort of took over like the the virus that it is. I thought I kicked the habit, man. I thought no. I was out. I thought I no. was done. No, it reeled me back in pretty yeah. hard. Pretty hard. <laughs> That's um, good to hear. I think. Yeah. No. It's, it's cool. It's it's still really good. Yeah. I just I still had more story, and now I'm giving people ambrosia. Yeah. And. I'm sprucing up the the digs a little bit. Okay. Got a nice full uh, full poster of Aphrodite in my bed oh, chambers. Very nice, yeah. Mm. Also Dionysus and Achilles. Mm-hmm. So I got all the homies hanging sure. out. But yeah, it's still there's still there's still story in there that I'm slowly cracking through. Mm-hmm. And I've only just gotten summons, so I gotta get all the summons now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just it's just so good. It's just so good and it's so bite-sized and tasty mm-hmm. and delicious every single time. Mm. Yeah. Just travels so well cuz I was out of town this this past weekend. Sure. So I took my Switch with me and I got probably got like 25 games on that bad boy, but <laughs> ain't none of them ain't none of them get me going like Hades does right now. <laughs> Sorry, Cattails. Sorry, Cattails. Sorry, Cattails. You, you had your, your you had your moment. Burner. You had your chance. <laughs> <laughs> the brightest candles burn out the quickest. <laughs> cattails. <laughs> but honestly that's that's kind of all i've been playing and I, I, I don't really have much else to add to that yeah no new conversations that we're gonna have about no Hades this week no yeah. absolutely not it's just checking in still an excellent game after being out for a year yeah did it come out around this that. time last year mm-hmm. something like that yeah still good <laughs> I mean, maybe I peeped into Kingdom Hearts over the last past week, but who knows? Who knows if it was if it was worth noting at all? <laughs> to be honest, sure, sorry, Kingdom yeah. Hearts three. Sorry, I'm trying so hard to be optimistic about you. Yeah, no, you we're work, we're working on it. It's good, giving it my best. But that's that's honestly it. Whoa, we are for the listener only six and a half recording minutes in. <laughs> that's a new <laughs> record. No shade. I'm. I'm. It's just been Hades. Yeah. Respect just, the commitment. It's just been Hades. That's, That's great. If nothing else, it certainly speaks to the the quality of this video game. It's so good. It's very good. Talking to, I was talking to the listener Drew, uh, who was also very very pulled into Hades right now. Mm-hmm. It it really gets you. I feel like those first ten to twenty hours are just infectious. You cannot mm-hmm. stop. Yeah, they they got something special going on there. They sure do. I th- I feel like I just caught the Delta variant of Hades. <laughs> Came back stronger. Came back strong. Just like fuck your defenses. I'm here. <laughs> Get at me. Come play. Um, there's more game. Also, I just I'm gonna sound like a fucking noob when I say this, but I found out that there's other talents on the Mirror of Night. Like the backside. Yeah. Yeah. I've been ch- I I I I like saw that there were other talents mm-hmm. in the um, prophecy book. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, what are they going to unlock? Right. And I've just been like pouring darkness into the faded authority. And I have like seven faded authority now. I'm just like, when are they going to unlock? I like go over and press the button. I'm like, oh God, I've been a damn fool. Yeah. I could have upgraded all of these for the price that it took me to get like these last three faded authorities because they're like 2000 darkness each yeah, now. So I'm like, expensive. oh my God, it's so expensive. Is it, I, it's been a little while since I've played. Is it the case that you can only use like one side of it at a time? Yeah, so each, there's like a coin, right? Yeah. For each one. So you can do either side A or side B yeah. for specific things where it's like, and they do similar stuff where it's like um, you do extra backstab damage or you just do extra extra damage. 
Yeah. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I'm definitely going to play around with some of that. I feel like I only used this, whichever side has the resurrection skill where like when you get killed, you get rezzed. The death defiance. Yes, exactly. I think I tried to do the other one and just got rocked. I was like, my playstyle was not conducive to that one. I think the other one's just brutal because it's the same thing. It's just instead of getting 50% health, you get 30% afterwards. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's it. And it's just like, what the fuck? But I'm curious to try the one where it's like your your cast becomes a recharge. Oh, yeah. Instead of having to wait to get your little donglers back. Right, yeah. And that, there's some good, there's some pretty good weapons that that will work well with. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's it's very interesting that they like put put those out there and like you can really use it with any weapon or any play style, but there are definitely some weapons where you're like, this would go much better with the, with, with with one of these. So Yeah, and that, that backside is definitely like the advanced player's side. I'm like, mm. oh man, now I got to get in it. The pro gamer Gotta side. get in it. Pro gamer strats over there. <laughs> but yeah, Hades is still really good. I'm still discovering things about it. Like, I think I think I just did my 69th playthrough, I want to uh, say. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Ah. Nice. Ah, uh, yeah. I, Sorry. I, I think I did just finish Sorry. my 69th. So, yeah, it was very nice. It was very nice. Yeah. Congratulations. But uh, what have you been playing, Chase? Um, Great. Yeah, I've been playing some video games. Uh, it was my birthday last week. Happy birthday. Thanks. I've turned the ripe young age of 31. Prime number, baby. Prime number. And uh, I bought some video games for myself as a birthday present, and I played a lot of them. Um, The first one that I had played was this game called Inscription. Inscription is, and just let me get through the the part of it before we sort of cast judgments. Okay. It's a deck-building roguelike. Kind of. (laughs) Kind of. What? There's a lot more to it than that. How can it be a kind of deck-building roguelike? I I know. It's very cool. There's a lot to it. All right. And if I tell you almost anything about it, I will spoil why it is kind of a deck-building roguelike. Oh. It is... I'm going to talk about this game in broad strokes. Very convenient for you, Chase. (laughs) I do not recall why this is a deck-building roguelike. I'm sorry. I I never talked to that person. Huh? So yeah, the the way that the the game loop that it that it puts you into is that uh, it it boots this like very old school looking UI. Um, it looks like it's you know running on DOS or something like that, like on a floppy. And you cannot start a new game; you can only continue. It's important for uh, the remainder of the you game. Can only continue. You can only continue, and uh, you spawn into this area where there's this like very scary set of eyes sitting across from you at a, at a table in a very dark room. Oh no. And it's essentially like, hey, we're going to play some cards. It like deals you a deck of cards and the uh, they're like, we're going to play this game where we play cards. And the the card game essentially plays out kind of like um, like magic combined with Hearthstone a little bit. Like uh-huh. you have units that you use and they do X amount of damage and you have to do X amount of damage on your opponent to win. The nitty gritty of that is like a little bit less important and like you kind of just learn it when you play it. But uh-huh. um, point being that there are cards in your deck that you draw and to play certain card types, you have to do certain things. So, you know, either sacrifice one of your current uh, dudes on the board or have, you know, a certain amount of them have died up to this point. So you can use bones or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once you beat, you know, any given encounter, there's a little like mini map that the the scary dude across from you presents you and you can move a little token across and like go from one thing to the next. Mm-hmm. And in that way, it's very traditional. It, it feels very slightly aspiry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is interesting about it is that at any point you can get up from the table that you're playing at uh-huh. and sort of wander around this very small room that you're in. It looks like a cabin. Uh-huh. And uh, there's like a bunch of shit in the room, like a mm. bunch of stuff. 
Uh-huh. And it, a lot that part of the game plays out a lot like Mist in the sense of like there's something you can click. interact with. Yeah, it's point and click kind of like you can change your body so like your perspective is changing. But you know anything you're looking at, you're like, okay, I see that there's a clock, uh-huh. and there's three buttons that control three arms on the clock. What do sure. I, what do I do with that? And the way the game plays out is that it essentially ping pongs back and forth from like something you do in the card game will kind of clue you into like what you might be able to do out in the room. Mm. Um, and the guy's like, I, like, you know, I don't care. You can go fuck around with anything out there. It's not like you have to like hide this from the scary man sitting across from you. You're still in the same room with the eyes, right? Yes. Yes. He's oh, still sitting. God, there. That's so scary. It's very scary. And like the, the tone of the game is definitely intended to be kind of like terrifying. Uh huh. Um, the sound that it makes when the, the thing talks is like this distorted, just like noise. Oh, um, I hate it. It's uh, it's good. Like it's it's it definitely sets the tone that it's it's setting out for very well. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, yeah, you eventually like if you lose enough, then you can die, and then uh, the dude like takes you into another room and takes your like picture and puts you on a card, like a death card. Oh, and then any of your past encounters you can draw as a card in the next like run a death card a death card yeah so like essentially the the camera takes a picture of you and inscribes who you were onto this card are you a different person each time yes yeah you know it's not like rogue legacy where you see the person that you're playing it's just like it's it's suggested that you are now a new person that has come into this this room whoa that's cool it is very cool and that is about as much as i can tell you without totally spoiling some of this shit it is a incredibly fun to discover kind of the secrets in the room the secrets of the game um it doesn't always explain every mechanic to you so you can really find some like weird edge cases that the game has accounted for which is really fun Mm -hmm. i mean the longer you play it the more those death cards start getting pretty fucking good i was about to say is it like the farther you get the better the card becomes not necessarily like it, you, it's definitely dependent on what cards you've drawn throughout that game but the way the death cards work is that uh he'll draw two random cards from your deck and say okay which of these do you want to draw the cost of your death card from and it might be a free card so like that's pretty good yeah. um, and then and then it'll draw two other cards and say what do you want your attack and defense to be and you might draw a really big scary monster that like is mm-hmm. really tough and then it's like you know what do you want your i think it's a sigil to be essentially like the the twist on whatever it is like some people like if you hit another enemy it's a one hit kill or uh they're like flying types so they you know, they hit over somebody rather than like having to hit the monster in front of them or anything like that. And so, you know, the longer you go on, the easier it is to get farther into the game and the easier it is to get bigger and scarier monsters that eventually you can sort of roll into your death cards that, you know, I, I kept running into a specific set of death cards that were very good. Mm-hmm. And so that makes the game a little bit easier over time. Yes, that <laughs> I would love to talk more about it because there is some wild shit that happens and I cannot because yes. it would be it would totally ruin the experience. Yeah, it sounds like you're playing some sort of avant-garde Yu-Gi-Oh role play. Honestly, yes, yes. Like, <laughs> it's not just the card game. It's like, you are this person. You are Yami Yugi in this weird, <laughs> like, dark, twisted tale. And you gotta yes. figure out how to get out <laughs> in between Honestly, playing yes. card like, games. There's a, there's a weirdly significant amount of Yu-Gi-Oh connections. And stuff. Hmm. Not directly, like, they're not... You know, Egyptian gods. Yeah, nobody's summoning blue eyes, white dragons, or anything like that. But um, it's it's very good if you're interested in like these kind of games. I think it is messing with the genre in a way that is really cool and inventive. I think um, deck building roguelikes. I would I would know <laughs> having played so many of these games. I think deck building rugs like roguelikes narratively play out very similar from one to the next. 
Mm-hmm. And the conceit is usually like, you know, you're stuck in this loop and that's all you really need to know. Just play the card game. Yeah. This game is intentionally using the mechanics of a deck building roguelike to tell a story rather than vice versa. Most mm. of the time, the conceit of a deck building roguelike is like, here's a little bit of story, but you're mostly here for the mechanics. Yeah. Whereas they, put, it, they put the story into the roguelike, whereas this is they're putting the roguelike into the story. I think so. It's it's similar to Hades in that like the reason and the why of why the game is structured like it is is well considered in a way that is like really great and really cool and after having played so many deck building roguelikes is feels very fresh and inventive. Sure. Um it's great. It's a very good game. Another game that I have played a little bit that I just want to touch on a little bit, a little bit. I, I've played like a hour of it hmm. is the the Guardians of the Galaxy game that came out like Ooh, ten- I've, I've heard surprising good things about this one. Yes, I was surprised about this. So there is a new Guardians of the Galaxy game uh, that is, I think, developed by IDOS or Square Enix, one of the two. I think it's like published by one and developed by the other. I'm not sure which. Yeah, I think it's the people who did tomb raider who made this one right i believe so and i believe it's also the people who did the avengers game or at least connected to that same Mm. like production company yeah and yeah it's it's a guardians of the galaxy video game that's like i think by and large it just control peter quill Mm -hmm. and i did not have super high hopes for this video game the avengers game got kind of roasted for the most part yes i played a fair amount of it and like there are parts of it that are that i enjoyed a lot but it really did not have legs like it really didn't grip me personally in a way that would pull me through it seemed Mm -hmm. like they were doing cool stuff with the story but it also felt like they were very tied to the idea of it being a loot game sure which didn't feel great after a certain point guardians is like i said I, i i haven't played a ton of it i'm only an hour into it but already the writing and the characterization feels like leaps and bounds better than avengers mm-hmm. um and honestly just like it stands against a lot of other games that have good writing and good characters sure the this is i don't think this is a spoiler but like the first you know 20 minutes 30 minutes are you playing as teenage peter quill mm. and uh you know your mom comes in and talks to you and like you just kind of get to like explore his room and it's great it's really fucking good like yeah. you get a really good idea of who star lord is without having to really like go through the whole origin story Sure. Like you get 20 minutes and you're like, okay, I I think I get it. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not, you know, super familiar with any of the like Guardians lore or movies or comics or anything like that, I I think you'd still get a pretty solid look at like who this character is. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes me so excited to play through this just because like all the reviews that I've seen are like the writing is really good. Characters are really good. Your enjoyment of it will certainly depend on either of those things because it sounds like the combat does like kind of just get whatever at a certain point. Sure. But I am finding more and more that when a a review says the combat is whatever i turn the difficulty down to very easy and just like Mm. go through the video game i don't need like i don't need it to be that good if the writing is the strong point that's fine let me just like wait on that like i'll just press x and square for 20 minutes and be done with the fight Mm -hmm. rather than like you know i need this to be a challenge yeah sure i guess i'll I'll play fucking dark souls on you know whatever difficulty they give me but I don't necessarily need Tales of Arise to be a, a challenging thing. Like I'm there mm-hmm. for the anime and the fun. And it seems like the the same sort of thing is true here where I'll probably just boot the difficulty down and play the game. Sure. Um, it's great. It's filling a similar hole for me that Mass Effect did of hang out on a cool spaceship with your friends. Fuck yeah. At least initially, like you can really explore the space and like obviously mm-hmm. space is fucking rad. I love that. Big sci-fi boy. Mm. So yeah, very excited about that. I But I need to put more time into it to like really get a solid stance on it but sure so, yeah. so far so good okay cool the next game that i'm playing uh-huh. is resident evil code veronica whoa 
Yes. Throwback. Throwback. This is, let me see, when did this come out? 2001, 1999, somewhere in there. Uh Uh-huh. An older Resident Evil game. This came out after Resident Evil 3 three and before four mm-hmm. i uh, i played this when i was younger I, I was also like and still am quite a fan of the resident evil series like mm-hmm. a really great time with one and two uh when those had come out i played nemesis when it had come out and then played this one as well which i think i played it on the dreamcast <laughs> I know. dreamcast yeah. baby it's like a cursed sentence <laughs> puts me into another world <laughs> that world of course being sonic adventure one yeah uh the i i had fond memories of this and just i don't think i had played it really since it came out uh-huh. um like i had revisited uh one and two and i think most of them even four it's been ported all over the place the first couple of resident evils have gotten those like very high res remakes mm-hmm. and so like i'm I, I was very familiar with those games and so it's very odd to play through this like kind of middle child of resident evil like Two and three, I think, are so clear in my mind. And honestly, I think a lot of Resident Evil players' mind, mm-hmm. I think just they sold very well and they're very popular. And I think the same is true for four because four was such a big shift in how that game worked. And like it was it was very much a splash hit. Whereas Code Veronica is kind of this weird middle ground where it's still got the same old Resident Evil kind of like static camera angles. Mm-hmm. It's got, uh, you know, you open a door and it just cuts to a black screen and the door opening. Um, sure. And then you go through. And uh, it, it relies on a lot of this uh, of similar tactics as the games before it. But at the same time, they've added a lot of stuff that makes it feel closer to some of the newer games, right? Like the story is a lot better. The pacing is a lot better, um, at least, you know, for my money. I think the horror of it is a lot more consistent. I think they do a really good job of, like, knowing the space that they exist in. Mm-hmm. Like, so, for example, early on in the game, there's this, like, uh, cabin that you go to and uh, you kind of come around the corner of it and there is, like, a dead body that's get, that gets, like, dragged under the under the uh, the building itself. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, that's scary. And then you run around the corner and you're fully expecting, like, Okay, when's when's the monster going to jump out from below this building and try and fight me? Yeah. You go all the way past it, you get to the door, you go through, nothing happens. Okay. okay. Come back out. It's even scarier. It's yeah, you come back from, you know, whatever other thing you've done and you're like, "Okay, fuck, this time there's going to be something." I remember last time I came through here, mm-hmm. run all the way back around the building, nothing. You hear nothing. Um, go in the building there's some like zombies in there and you fight some zombies you get a couple of new weapons or whatever and like it it gets you on this high because you get these sweet like double pistols that you get to wield which is like great cool feeling high coming back outside the building and like kind of i had forgotten about it a little bit because like maybe it wasn't that big of a deal maybe it's like something else that they were alluding to immediately dogs come out from underneath the fucking thing and attack you (laughs) and like they do that a lot where they sort of know what a player might be expecting kind of play with you in a, in mm. a way that's really fun. Whereas like a lot of the times in the first resident evil, if you couldn't see around a corner, probably cause there's a fucking zombie around it. Mm-hmm. And like there, <laughs> there, there's not a lot of like, after you've played it enough, you kind of know, like the game is going to fuck with me. Where the jump scares at. Yeah, exactly. And so um, playing this one, it's, it's clear that they know what space they are existing in and have been making these games for a little while that mm-hmm. I think the craftsmanship of it shows a lot more. It is also not using the like pre-rendered backgrounds that were present in the previous entries. Like mm. I don't know if it, like you're familiar or if the the like listeners are familiar, but in the first few they use these like pre-rendered sort of like wallpapers essentially yeah. for a lot of the game. And so um, it's like a dollhouse. 
Yeah, very much. It, it's essentially a way to get around having to actually render all that shit, right? Like it, it was awfully detailed for a PS1 game. And so a lot of that stuff would have been very hard for the PlayStation 1 to render. But if you just have like a background, that's much easier for the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. This one is not using that. It's mostly using like actual 3D rendering, which is neat. It makes it age a little bit differently. Like in some places, I'm like, damn, it looks pretty good. And other places, I'm like, that looks so bad on this one little corner right here. Like very sort of like uneven in places, but it it does make it look like just this, again, a weird cousin of the the Resident Evil games. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I wasn't intending really to play through most of this, but I have gotten very far in this video game. All right. It's just great. Like I I think the game design of it is really fun. It's something that really appeals to me. This like the, the Resident Evil kind of game design where there is a area that has a shitload of locked doors and obstacles and things that are impeding your progress. And you have to essentially just like unravel this big tangled spool of shit mm-hmm. and like, okay, I got this key. Where where can I get into now? Um, okay, there's a puzzle in here. What it, What is it suggesting that I do? Mm-hmm. Okay, now I've got this like crank for this room. I think a couple of rooms ago, I saw some kind of, you know, twisty thing. I can go crank around. Yeah. Oh, that lowered the water. Okay, now what crank, do I do? You're just cranking things. I'm cranking things, dude. <laughs> And um, I like I really like that. I think that's a really fun way to do a game. Um, It feels very Metroidvania in that way, Mm -hmm. like rather than abilities, you're mostly just getting like items. So that's that's pretty, pretty neat and feels still very fun to me. Mm -hmm. This game is also a lot more cognizant of the fixed camera angle stuff. Like, yeah, oftentimes the camera will flip in a way such that like if you were pressing up before, it still kind of makes sense that you would be pressing up. To like go forward rather than like sometimes in some of the earlier games and i was noticing this in fatal frame you'll be pressing up to go forward and then the camera will flip such that like it feels like you should be pressing back to come towards the camera now mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't feel great so this one is like a, a lot more cognizant of like okay we're gonna try and make it a little bit easier to to move in this game so yeah uh what else uh the voice acting is terrible and that's really fun <laughs> it's like just straight straight bad in a lot of places and that's like Mm -hmm. really great and campy it makes me realize just how campy a lot of these like resident evil games have always been they seem terrifying when i was younger but yeah like in hindsight i'm like this is really goofy this is a very goofy video yeah yeah i think that the the, kind of the really big like tough point in this game for me has been one of the main antagonists throughout the game um is this like kind of old pish posh um british person sure and they have like a very cartoonish version of like dissociative identity disorder uh like where you know they're they're different people in one part of the game from the next yeah and in one part of the game they are their identity is based around female presenting and in one part of the game they are male presenting and the characters in the game have a lot of real shitty takes about that you know it's it's not necessarily it's bad enough that they're just the villain (laughs) on the face of that yeah but like it ain't progressive no not even close like i think uh steve the the other canadian prisoner in this one who's like so out of place (laughs) in this video game Uh uh-huh he's like a teenage boy who's like coming to grips with like teenage nonsense and like he's had a tough time but there's some just some shit he's saying all the time they're also so adamant that he is a canadian they're like you really gotta say sorry like sorry you really gotta hit that like ori part of the sorry (laughs) 
but yeah, he's his the, some of the dialogue that he has about this antagonist is really rough and like so pretty he's shitty. actually being just an accurate teenage boy. Uh, yes, yes, he like this Which is, is unfortunate, not. But... It's not inaccurate, especially for what time it was. But like playing it in 2021, I'm like, holy shit! Some of this Tough. is like yeah. really rough. Yeah, yeah. So that part of it is not ideal. Um, I, I've heard that there's rumblings of them sort of remaking this one. Um, which I honestly think would make for a great game, but I'm really hoping that they take that part of it out or just replace some of the dialogue. You know, it's, I don't think you can really just replace that character wholesale, but the characters not liking this antagonist for their villainy Mm -hmm. is the, the move rather than like talking about how they dress or how that's, you know, some sort of trick that they're playing on everyone. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's, that's Resident Evil Code Veronica. Uh, the final game that I've been playing, uh-huh. Resident Evil Zero. David. Oh my god, <laughs> what's going on? They Spooky were on sale. Months got you spooking. They, yeah, they definitely do. Both of them were on sale. They were like five bucks. I'm like, uh-huh. hell yeah, let's go. That's a remake of the original, right? Uh, no, this is a prequel to the original. It uh, has it, it stars Rebecca Chambers and Billy. 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 No last name, just Billy. I'm sure he does. I just don't remember his, his last name. Billy is. Bilson. Billy Bilson and Rebecca Chambers are the two characters in this video game. <laughs> um, so this game, I think I played it on the GameCube. I think it came out for a handful of their systems. It only came out two years after Code Veronica, but looks like astoundingly better. Mm. Like absolutely incredible as far as like graphical fidelity goes. Sure. They are using pre-rendered backgrounds in this game, which I think is what's really upping the quality of it. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's like it's it's shocking. I'm kind of into the way that it looks. Like there's in in some parts I'm like this looks a little rough. Like if you're really close up on the pre-rendered stuff, it doesn't look great, but like the the way that it's not rendered in real time gives these like the imagery and the visuals of it this like very dramatic look. Like the shadows look very they're they've got a lot of character to them. Hmm. It's like a very dark game. Well, yeah. But uh, I, I kind of like it. Like it's, it's again, it's weird to view these kind of visuals as a contemporary to things that are coming out now in the same way that we talked about with Silent Hill. Like it's scarier that Harry Mason looks the way he does. Yeah. yeah. It's in, in a similar way. Like if you go into this, assuming like there are games that look photorealistic, then like, uh-huh. what does it mean that this game is doing the kind of pre-rendered stuff? And it makes it just look very sh- like stylized, dramatic and like scary, which I think uh-huh. is great. Like, I think it looks really good. Uh, you know, obviously, like the character models are in 3D. So those ones aren't always phenomenal. But like, I think the backgrounds and like just the like state of the train that you're on when you start it is like just it's great. I think it looks really good. The the interesting sort of twist on the formula that they brought in resident evil zero was that you can play as either of these characters like kind of simultaneously mm-hmm. and the way that you do that is that both of them go into like different places in the train or like you know the game itself and you can quickly switch between them by just like pressing a button which is interesting because like what are the loading screens there for anymore like it sure it, it almost immediately goes over like it's a heartbeat literally uh-huh. And you're in another room. I'm like, why do I still need to see the animation of them like opening up the door? It's it's Resident Evil, baby. You gotta see. <laughs> I guess so I see the door. But uh, it, it makes for like pretty interesting like puzzle solving stuff in the way of like, okay, Rebecca's stuck in this room, but she needs something sharp to get through it to like jam open the door. Billy's in a different room, mm-hmm. and there's like a tiny little like item elevator between these. It's like a kitchen and like a mm-hmm. serving room or something. Okay. And so like, what can I go do as Billy to 
you know, figure this out. Oh, okay. There's an item in Rebecca's room that she should give to him first to go to some other part of the train or just that kind of like asymmetrical puzzle solving that is like pretty mm-hmm. good. Honestly, it's not as easy to play through. I'm finding as code Veronica, like code Veronica just seems like a lot more straightforward and understandable. Whereas this one, like I kind of have to think and be like, okay, what am I, what am I doing here? Yeah. And so, uh, it hasn't gripped me quite as hard, but it is really interesting to play these like middle child resident evils given that yeah not numbered versions in the series no and definitely in between these huge design shifts that they were going through right Mm -hmm. like we haven't yet gotten to four it's not the big monumental uh shift of like this is what resident evil is now yeah and it's not the big shift of seven either where it's a first person thing and you're uh the the goofy ethan winters wandering through terrible shit and getting your hands fucked up goofy ethan winters <laughs> he's, such, he's a very odd dude but uh yeah i i, I quite enjoy it I, I think it helps that i really like resident evil games that mm-hmm. playing through ga- these games is not it's not really a big deal or, or it, it feels sort of introspective in a way that i think is really fun mm-hmm. so yeah i like these games i think these games are great cool they're also very scary they're scary. very scary <laughs> this will bring me to my bod domestic thing of the week david yeah this is going to be contentious okay okay my pod domestic thing of the week david <laughs> Is fixed camera angles. Oh my games. god! <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm ready. Yes. I'm, oh, let me let me hear your argument. Okay. All right. <laughs> there are moments in Resident Evil and situations that they put you in where it is very hard to see what is coming around a corner or what essentially what you need to be prepared for in the next little bit. Whereas in something like Gears or uh, you know. Uh, even Resident Evil 4, you can see what the issue is pretty far away. You're right behind somebody's shoulder. Yeah. And it is obvious what the challenge that is approaching you is going to be mm-hmm. or what it might be or whatever. Or you can peek around a corner and see what's going on. And that leads to games that are very action focused. Mm-hmm. Like you see the bad guy from a far away, shoot the bad guy. Okay, keep sure. moving. I think fixed camera angles do a lot for horror games where they do a really good job of framing what they want you to see and setting up expectations about that, that I think is like critical to horror in general, like Mm -hmm. especially horror film that like reveals and surprises are incredibly important to like scary parts of any story. Yeah. And in the same way, it feels like this is also true. Like I don't think resident evil is ever like so hard or punishing for like, you know, kind of getting one over on you for putting a zombie behind a corner, right? Mm-hmm. Or, ex- you know, expecting to have one there and it not. And then when you come back, there's one or something like that. They yeah. give you a fair amount of healing and like, you know, the the bullets are sometimes a little bit rare, but you know, there, there aren't that many times that I've died mm-hmm. in the game. And so like, I think it leads to this situation where definitely you don't want to die because saving is rare in this game so like you want to be careful but they also strike a really good balance of not showing you something and kind of wrestling control away from you Mm -hmm. in a way that i think is really like fun and playful in a a really cool way and sure i don't i don't think you could get that with uh either third person or first person games i think it has to be these like fixed camera angles that admittedly are frustrating like yeah physically controlling it is not always ideal it's not Mm -hmm. i don't always go exactly the direction i want to go but i think it serves a purpose that is different and i think that that the execution there is actually really good and is really fun and for that i love it i I see what you're saying for horror games i think it makes a lot of sense anything else i don't i don't think it (laughs) has any place if you're making an action game you want it to be filled with action and an easy way to do that is to show you what's coming yeah 
Or, you know, if it surprises you, kick you into a cutscene or something and be mm-hmm. like, oh, there's a big thing, careful. Yeah. And I think or that's whatever. what Resident, the people who make Resident Evil kind of figured out is that mm-hmm. you can't make a game as scary if it's third person controlled camera, which is why they went to first person. Yeah. Right. You can, you can very much control the, per- what comes out from the peripheries when you're in first person mode. Yeah. And there's, there's a different kind of terror in first person, right? Like it is, yeah. you're much closer to the, the scary you're shit in happening. the shit. You are in it. Yes. Like, I, I think the, the intro couple hours of, of Resident Evil 7 are really good for that. Like, running into the bakers and shit like that. When them, they're just, like, coming through walls and shit. I don't think that that would hit as hard if you're in third person. Mm-hmm. You know, part parts of the remakes of Resident Evil 2 and 3 are scary. And I think the parts of it that are scary are the parts where you know that one of those big dudes is following you. Either mm. Nemesis or Mr. X. Mm-hmm. and you're not sure where they're going to show up. Yeah. That is sort of a different scare than I don't know what to expect around this corner. It's possible that like, you know, Nemesis is back there, but this one will often get you with like, oh fuck, I wasn't expecting there to be like a zombie or to get hit or, you know, this thing to like come alive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there's sort of a difference there where they've managed to make it work, but it's it's mostly scary because there's something stalking you, which is just scary into itself. Yeah, that's always one of the scariest things is when you become prey. It really taps into something prim- <laughs> yeah. primordial about us. Right? Yeah, I, I do not want to get caught. It's very spooky. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it, it, it serves a different purpose. And I, I, I think one that like, it's a bummer that it sucks to control so badly. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's my optimistic thing. David, do you have well, anything fueling your sense of optimism? Yeah, it's a good cosmetic upgrade. Oh, hell yes. You know I'm about this. <laughs> <laughs> I was just having a lot of fun decorating the house of Hades in my bedroom mm. the other day. I'd had like not touched any of that because I'm like, Ugh. it's like what I spend my resources last on always. But once I get to a point of the game, I'm like, oh, I can just spend a little bit on here, you know, just for fun. <laughs> I'm just yep. like, oh, it like unlocks different dialogues with people, like it changes things in like a lasting way, it looks good. Like, oh wow, this really is it's really sprucing up the place. <laughs> but yeah, it's always it's good in Hades and it's always good in a nice uh uh competitive online game where you get a new skin, a legendary skin, of course, mm-hmm. Rocket League, Overwatch, anything like that where you get one of them good ones that look real cool. Absolutely. They do a good job of this in Tales of Arise recently, too. Very good costume changes. All right. They're narratively significant, which I really love. Uh Uh-huh. Like, the the costumes that they're changing into are, like, a big deal. Why why somebody has a new dress is is good. There's some reasoning. This is my battle dress. Honestly, yes. That is what happened. Oh, I know. It's anime, baby. I guess you. (laughs) So, yeah, I love that. Obviously, you you know me, man. Mega Man X. Gotta give me that armor. Those cosmetic mm. upgrades. Love that. I get it. There was definitely a time where like the cosmetic upgrades were not common at all. Like your character would look exactly the same from start to finish. Mm-hmm. There was that lovely couple of years where like games started giving you cosmetic changes for like simple stuff. Like, yeah. Oh, I equipped a new sword. Ooh, that looks that looks different. Mm-hmm. Like just this stupid little sword has a different look. Like, yep. yes, absolutely. Yep. Love that. Yep. Like Fable, like your your character yes, changed yeah. with you. Like, oh, I'm a bad guy, so I got scars on my face now? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Or I got my up my strength, now I'm big and beefy. Mm-hmm. Been bench pressing a lot. Big beefy boy. Big triple, beefy. Triple B. Big beefy boy. Big beefy boy. <laughs> also Spider-Man say. games. Phenomenal cosmetic changes. Very good ones. Very, very good suits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey. Do you want to move on to our main spooky thing? Yeah. <laughs> Sick. Cool. Sick. 
So for people who are maybe new to the podcast, uh, we're big fans of this this here month, Spooky Month, because video games and spooky go together like Kingdom Hearts and crying. Like candy. Uh, candy canes and candy corn. <laughs> I actually, I don't know that I've eaten that combo before. It's a cursed combo. It goes together like Sunday morning and crying. Also with crying. Like uh, cut hair and matches. Cut hair and matches? <laughs> Those two things don't... Don't they're, go they're, together. Don't go they together. Don't, they don't not go together, but they don't <laughs> they're normally They're often go used together. together. But they really don't go together. No. Uh, know what I mean? I do, I do know what you mean. Um, <laughs> so we, at the end of last Spooky Month, as a tribute to the uh, the dead podcast fantasy fiction. R.I.P. R.I.P. wrote short stories that were horror themed. And uh, guess what? We done did it again. Mm-hmm. We gave each other a theme to write about, just some phrase, some spooky phrase. Mm-hmm. And David named a character for me that I had to write a story about, and I named a character for him. Yeah. Uh, the theme this year was Harvest Festivals. Mm-hmm. Harvest Festival. David gave me Pikachu, and I gave him Ansem from the Kingdom Hearts <laughs> series. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're we're going to read our short stories here for you. Sorry that this, this is not a normal good games, but this is... Uh, I promise you that there will be some video game stuff in here. This is story hour. Welcome. Let me let me get a clean one, a clean take of that. You want me to do it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing? Uh, just this is story hour. This is story hour. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> nice, great. Is that is that what you you want me to take another take? Is that what you no, want? No, you're good. That, that was that perfect. Was that perfect? That was great. All yeah, right, director. Perfect. Thank you. Good. Yeah, I aimed to please. <laughs> So you have opted to go first this year. Yeah, I'm opting my I'm opting myself in. Okay, to, sure. To release this story upon <laughs> our unsuspecting listeners. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you 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 tend to uh, I think you did this yet last year. You didn't you didn't uh, love the story that you put out, but I was very pleased with your last one. So you were into it. All right, let's I have see. I have high hopes let's for this. Let's see what one you well. say this year. We'll see what you okay. say this year. All right. Um, yeah, please take it away. God, I'm excited for this. All right. The name of my story is Handsome Ansem and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, phenomenal start. Ansem vanished years ago, but the <laughs> stories lingered. How could they not? When a man that insanely handsome walks into a small farming town, stories and songs tend to become part of the local culture, passed down from parents to children and taking on a life of their own. (laughs) By now, what was true and what wasn't could hardly be discerned from one another. But two things that were absolutely certain were that Ansem was the most beautiful being this town had ever seen and that the harvest they had that year was the best they ever done had. Every year, the village would decorate and celebrate the day that Ansem visited. October 13th, Handsome Ansem Day. Villagers (laughs) handcraft masks to make themselves beautiful and wear them around the village all day, trying Mm. to be like their handsome legend. Mm. Kids play games, playing pranks on each other and making general mischief. Nobody works, no chores are done, everybody is too busy celebrating the most beautiful Ansem-like members of the village. And throughout <laughs> the day, whichever villagers are deemed to have made the best, most handsome-like masks are chosen to be the Ansem Festival King and Queen. Of course, these are uh, holdover terms from the bygone era. You can be whatever gender you want and be the king or the queen. Two kings, two queens, king and a queen, it's all good. At the end of the festival, 
led by the newly crowned royalty. All of the villagers get together and burn their masks in one large fire. The bigger the fire, the more mm. of a signal Ansem has to come back to their village to bless them with a good harvest and a good face, or so the story goes. Over the years, the village has slowly grown, still reaping the benefits that the legendary harvest the handsome one bestowed upon the village all of those years ago. The village elder, a large man nearing 100, whose potty was barely visible beneath the dark hooded cloak he always wore, was, oh, the yeah. only, was the only one left from when Ansem first came and tells tales of fields of wheat taller than two men standing on top of each other and cows growing so large that the salted preserved meat they got from them was still being eaten to this day. <laughs> the elder remembering this great time was the one to begin the Ansem Festival in hopes mm. of one day luring Ansem to return to the village and bless them again. I'm so caught up in this. You've, you've woven a story so deep. <laughs> well, I cannot wait. Prepare to be mediocritized. Anyways, <laughs> I will hear nothing of the sort. I am I'm fully enraptured. All right, all right, here we go. Okay. Uh, the elder went around the village as usual this festival day, looking closely at all the intricate, handsome masks the villagers had made, his piercing eyes peering out from within his deep hood, thoroughly judging the handsomeness and craftsmanship of each mask. Finally, he chose the two masks that he believed to be the best and called their wearers to his home. The masks you two have made are simply <laughs> extraordinary. It seems every year the masks that people make only get more and more handsome. <laughs> <laughs> the two winners muttered respectful thanks, looking up to the leader so that he could appreciate their craftsmanship again. Hmm. Yes, quite handsome indeed. <laughs> But nowhere near as handsome as the man who came through this village nigh on 100 years ago. Mm. Have you heard the tales, my children? I heard that he looked at his own visage in a dirty puddle, and suddenly the water became as clean and drinkable as if it had just fallen from the sky, remarked one of the winners. My mother always told me of a tale of how a man fainted from hearing one of his friends simply describe him, the other winner <laughs> chimed in. I heard that he was so handsome that a blind child looked at him, regained his sight, but then lost it again whenever he looked away from him. Added a fishmonger passing by the tent. Well, I heard that he was so handsome that a drawing of him started a war between two villages a day's ride from here. No survivors. Well, I heard that this bastard was so handsome that looking at him smile at you actually activated all of your senses. It felt like a freshly laundered blanket, smelt like a freshly baked cookie, and tasted like, well, you know, remarked the village oversharer, adding a very questionable wink at the end of this sentence. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry, the village oversharer? Is yes. that their role? <laughs> good. That's their role in the village. Yeah. The elder and the two newly crowned royalty stared at the man until he awkwardly left. <laughs> well, anyways, yes, he was very handsome, and all of those stories are true. Even, I'm sad to say, that last one. Anywho, <laughs> congratulations on your victory. Now, would you please close the doors to my house to cut down on any further interloping from the riffraff? One of the masked royalty got up and shut the door. As the door shut and the lazy sunbeam stopped streaming into the room, the darkness began to make itself at home once again. Oh, no. There were no windows. So the only light source now were a smattering of candles strewn haphazardly throughout the room. They had peculiar flames that in the duskiness of the room appeared to leap toward the ceiling and fall back onto their wax pedestal, in the mm. process resembling something akin to a heart. <laughs> yes. 
Now, my children, the elder bellowed, <laughs> we begin the truly fun part of this day. <laughs> he crept behind another dark curtain and came back holding a giant key. Mm. This is the key to the town. And tonight, in <laughs> celebration of the Ansem's Festival's 100th year, you will be the first winners to bear this at the fire tonight. It is an ancient heirloom from Ansem himself, who promised to return on the 100th year from his arrival if we bore this key in his honor. The key was monstrous, dark metal twisted with blood red gems and a key edge that was reminiscent of white enameled lion's teeth. Oh wow. Its hilt was a monstrous mass of dark wiry metal, surely cutting any hand foolish enough to hold it. The king and queen looked on in awe and fear, and as they reached out to touch the writhing piece of metal, a gust of wind blew through the room, carrying the whisper of a song on it. <laughs> Don't be shy, take it in your hands, this is your day, enjoy it! Ansem cut off the song abruptly. The elder's eyes were wide and his grin was deep. Yellow eyes and shockingly white teeth and hair gleamed from inside his robe. His hood began to fall back, and to the shock of the king and queen, this man wasn't their elder at all. How could they have mistaken the two? Their elder was small and kindly. This man was large and imposing. Panic began to set in, but neither the king nor queen could move. They looked down, and both of their hands were firmly grasped around the hilts of the keyblade, blood running down their palms and into a puddle oh on the God. floor. Their hands were stuck to the blade as if binded by some unseen force, and etched on the floor around them a large, intricate motif of a heart. They screamed, not just for themselves, not just because the illusion had finally been lifted, but for the small creature, dark as night, sitting in between them at the center of the heart, a mm. writhing ant, cloaked in darkness, resembling their village elder. From behind them, another man, who looked like but was not their elder, emerged. All of the candles in the home suddenly went out, and silence <laughs> fell over the room. The sound of merriment from the festival continued, and from outside, a bright flash of red and white light could be seen coming through the door of the house. <laughs> the time of the bonfire had finally come. The king and queen, still masked and carrying the large key to the front of the procession, took their masks off and threw them in the fire, as is tradition. Large sparks shot up into the sky, and a black mist began to emerge and envelop the procession. Oh, the God. villagers looked around in fear at each other, terrified eyes peering out from beneath devilishly handsome wooden masks. <laughs> the two faces under the masks of the king and the queen were similar to the king and queen, but not them. They aimed the keyblade at the group of villagers behind them and blasted away. Hundreds of hearts leapt into the air while oh where Zelda went to collect them. A mass of dark, writhing creatures only remained where the villagers once stood. From oh, behind yeah. them, a tall, hooded figure emerges from a home and walks out of the village. The end. Oh my god. <laughs> Damn. Got scary. <laughs> I was scared. You were scared there? I was scared. Good. Wow, 
That was evocative. That was strong. Did you like that I I named the village elders nobody Zelda as is tradition for uh, organization mm. thirteen or just nobodies wow. in general? Yeah, hell yeah! I didn't catch it all. You've got so much detail in your writing. Also, handsome handsome day is October thirteenth for organization thirteen. Oh, great! Hell yeah! Love that. Love <laughs> just that. So just so we're clear about the details, I put into this. Yeah, to absolutely. This story. It's, it's rich. It's a rich tapestry. Rich really tapestry. World of fear. <laughs> uh, great round of applause. Thank really you. good stuff. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. Did it, you did a great job. I, I don't think that that was phoning it in at all. Uh, yeah, I got to set expectations low. Sure. Yeah, I get that. But still, you've exceeded mine. Well, you've done you. great. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. I'm excited to hear yours now. Yeah, I think in sort of typical fashion, in line with last year and kind of the whole podcast in general, this will be <laughs> huh? a little loose. <laughs> and... Uh, Light on the details, a little bit different of an, of an approach. So your your harvests and Pikachu. Yes, I uh, we we've done a harvest festival, and uh, my my character that I had to weave into this story was Pikachu. The title of my story is the harvest. Ooh, great. The first day of autumn in Falibor Town is marked when exactly the one hundredth leaf has fallen into the ground. It seems like a pretty hard thing to keep track of to me, but that's what they're into in Falibor. As it so happens, seven days after the first day of autumn holds a special place in the hearts of everyone who lives there now or has ever lived there before. It's the Falibor Harvest Festival. It's the kind of event that the moment it's over, those who took part in it will start thinking about next year's. Live in the moment? Nay. This Harvest Festival rips so hard that people can barely contain their excitement. Ooh. Our story takes place on this very day in which a trainer and his trusty Pikachu are late returning home after collecting some puffins or whatever those things in the Pokemon universe are. Ooh. We're in the Pokemon universe, by the way. Did I mention that already? You may not have gotten that from the Falibor references because that's uh, kind of a deep cut. It's in Emerald. Oh. Only the real Falibor heads would have caught that one. Not but me. For all you who did, shouts out. Oh, shout out. Come on, Pikachu, we're late, shouts the trainer. Only about 11, but full of spunk and determination to be the very best. Does he have Pikachu looks... uh, He might. Yeah, he's got a pretty severe lisp. Pikachu looks up with an adorable looking face and thinks to himself, We wouldn't have been so fucking late if you weren't trying to fight every goddamn Pokemon on the way back. I told you a million times, we gotta fight better, stronger Pokemon rather than dumpstering a hundred Bidoofs over the course of four fucking hours. (laughs) Kid, you gotta learn how to min-max and grind if you're gonna be the next Pokemon master. However, all all that escapes the cute little Pikachu's mouth is a resounding Pikachu. Was that was that Danny DeVito from Hercules? <laughs> it is sort of the uh, the sleazy GameStop um, salesman mm. that we've, oh, we've I kicked hear it. around I hear before. It. That's great. Yeah. I love it. They both arrive at the edge of town, huffing and puffing from the run back. Luckily, they've managed to arrive just in time for the beginning of the festival. There are already hundreds of stands lining the perimeter of the town, open with sweet autumn treats. You get candied apples. You get caramel-covered strawberries. Mm. You get hot toddies for the adults, Ooh, of course, baby. or any Pokemon that partake. Actually, now that I'm writing this, are there any Pokemon that get fucked up? Mm. Have you ever addressed Pokemon, or have they ever addressed Pokemon getting crunk in the Pokemon universe? Oh well, I'm writing it here so now Game Freak can deal with the canon later on. Hell yeah. The trainer runs over to his parents' stand near the middle of town and embraced in a way that only the parents of a child who is constantly fighting wild animals out of town could know. Shit's dangerous, man. You got a little electric mouse to protect you? No thanks. That's a great way to get badoofed into the next life. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Pikachu... <laughs> 
like that one. I'm going to um, use that in the in the future. That's a great badoofed. way to get badoofed into the next <laughs> life. It's a threat. That is a threat. Get rich or get badoofed trying. <laughs> huh? Anyway, Pikachu watches his trainer retell the details of the day to his parents and opts to wander around the festival on his own. Little guy is going to tell him about each fucking individual Thunderbolt I cast today. I feel bad for him. Time for this electric mouse to go get something to take the edge off. Knowing normally where the booze stands are, Pikachu runs in that direction. Sure enough, there is an, able, uh, an area labeled adults only. He scurries underneath a stand selling commemorative Pokeballs. You know, the kind that like have a leaf on them or something, some kind of autumn symbol, but it's really not something you're going to reach for when you're going toe to toe with like Rayquaza. Mm. Pikachu finds himself smack dab in the middle of the adults only section Ooh. and manages to find a smaller stand selling Poke beer. Mm. Its sign reads Shuckles, Brews and More. Shuckles. Pikachu sits up and it's a it's a Pokemon yeah. that like can ferment stuff in a shell. Uh, Pikachu sits Pecans. up at one of the, <laughs> Pikachu sits at one of the high top seats like a little gentleman and flags down one of the shuckles working and says, "Hey, turtle friend, what's a mouse got to do to get a poker beer around here?" <laughs> the shuckle responds, "Ah, come on, Pikachu. You know you, we can't serve another Pokemon. I got kicked out of last year for serving you. You made a huge scene. Try to speak English to the children. Scared the shit out of them." Ah, come on, it'll be early enough. Nobody's looking for a Pokemon putting away a few crispy guys. Come on, I'll take one and that, that'll be me for the whole night. The Shuckle pauses, tempted not on, out of his own kindness, but just that he really doesn't need this job. The benefits aren't that mm. great. They pay minimum wage. Like, what would happen if he quit? The owners don't know how to brew beer in their shells. They just have the capital to start one of these stands in the first place. Mm. It feels awfully weird that the owner of the labor in the stand would be paid so differently. Like, if the owners mm. didn't exist, Shuckle could still come out here and serve poke beer. If Shuckle decided not to show up for work, then the stand would shut down. Kind of makes you think about how our priorities are a little bit backwards for who, get, who gets paid and who happens to own the fruit of their excess labor. Right? Is this a communist propaganda? I love it. This is great. Shuckle places a glass of poke beer in front of in front of Pikachu and says, "Fine, but don't expect me to bail you out when you start trying to say human words again." Pikachu smiles and nods. The first sip of poke beer is almost the sweetest, and this time is no exception. Surrounded by the warmth of the festival and a hard day's work behind him, Pikachu sighs and smiles. About halfway through his beer, a hooded figure sits down and flags Shuckle off for a beer. Shuckle gives this person much less of a hassle and presents them with a beer nearly immediately. Pikachu eyed this person when they sat down, hoping it was not an undercover cop coming to bust up his fun. <laughs> After a few minutes of silence, the figure speaks and says, Pray tell, friend, how is your harvest this year? Pikachu, knowing well his response wouldn't make any sense to a human ear, says, It's fine, you jag off, how's yours? <laughs> to his surprise, the figure immediately responds, Mine is quite well. Although I'm not quite sure if you understand or you mean to insult me or not. Eyes suddenly very wide, the Pikachu leans in and whispers, Hey pal, you don't look like any Pokemon I've ever seen, but you seem to register what I just said. Uh, you, you gonna take your hood off? Let me see who, what's going on under there. <laughs> the edges of the hood rustle, as if brushed by tiny hairs jutting off from this person's face, caused by a smirk unseen. I actually prefer not to unveil my face, my friend. However... I see that you were in search of a place to relax, to party, if you will. I can provide such a place for a respectable Pokemon such as yourself. Are you interested? Pikachu's eyes squint, but his glance darts towards the nearly empty glass of Poke beer. Listen, you talking about some kind of secret stand that I don't know about? Listen, pal, I, I've been coming here for five years. I'm pretty sure I know which stands on the arcs and which ones are just a bunch of... As Pikachu reviews his credentials, the figure slides hmm. over a talisman. 
Pikachu trails off his sentence and looks at the figure set before him. It is a tiny circular silver trinket. On its front, there is a shadowy figure etched into it. Pikachu would call the figure familiar in a way that he didn't quite understand. It was similar to his own face, but crossed with a mouth in a way that the whiskers drifted from its head. Uh, what's this supposed to be? Why, it's your ticket to the special place, I promised. All you have to do it is touch it and be transported to a new location. I don't know, pal. This thing is looking worse by the minute. I don't think I'm going to take you up. The figure shifts and says, I can promise you as much free poke beer as you desire. Pikachu stopped talking at the mention of such a compelling offer, his mm. palms suddenly quite drawn to the figure. He looks up once more at the figure beside him, back down at the nearly or now empty glass of poke beer and says, I'm going to hold you to that, and quickly places his hand on the figure. Mm. Pikachu is quite familiar with the sensation of being struck by lightning, but this was something else. Whoa. In a flash, he felt his body transported very far away from where he was moments ago, and he manages to spot what feels like images whirling past him. Visions of a forest, of mountains, of space, of maybe a cool wizard named Waylon playing a fucking sick guitar solo. (laughs) And finally arrives with a jolt in a place that looks oddly similar to where he was moments ago. He is now once again sitting on a bar stool in what appears to be Falibor Town, but only this time there are not hundreds of stands, but simply one in the center of town. Pikachu is struck with how cold and quiet the town is, while also overwhelmingly being dark. Whereas moments ago the ground was covered in brush and dirt, it has now been replaced with metal. A steady low hum hangs in the air. Pikachu mutters, Oh for fuck's sake. He hops off the barstool onto a metal ground below him with a soft clang. Underneath the metal he hears his footsteps echo as if there was nothing at all below it. He opts to ignore that. Pikachu wanders over to the center of town towards what he can now see is a circular stand with a single figure tending to its bar top. He finds another bar stool and hops up onto it like a little gentleman. He says to the first person in front of him, Hey, uh, I was told there might be some free poker beer here. The figure, another hooded creature, wanders over to Pikachu, their face also covered by the lack of light in this place. While I hate to disappoint, we do not offer free poke beer. However, it has been a very quiet night, so if you'd like to partake in a series of riddles, I can offer you increasingly tempting prizes, if you answer correctly, Damn. including poke beer. Lied. Ah, jeez, another fucking creepy ghost wizard high on his own supply. Fine, man. <laughs> Give me your damn riddles, huh? and I'll drink some beer and be on my way. Pikachu detects yet another smile unseen. Very well. The first riddle. I am a body with a leg, an arm, and a head, but I look like I am naked and bare. What am I? Pikachu immediately chimes back with, You're a skeleton. Come on. Man, that's fucking first grade baby stuff. Beer me. (laughs) The figure pauses a moment and says, Well done. In return, I will, as you say, beer you. The figure turns around and retrieves a glass to pour what looks like very crispy beer. Mm. Like, it's got just the right amount of foam and it's in one of those glasses Mm. that they got chilled under the bar. You know what I'm talking about. So good. Somehow now very okay with the absolutely unchill circumstances he finds himself in, Pikachu slurps down about half of a beer, taps on the table with his tiny little paw, and says, Alright buddy, keep these riddles coming. I'd like to do these things and get the fuck out. No offense, but this place really sucks. Like, I, I don't know if you're trying to give off like a cursed horrible hellscape, but that's certainly what you've achieved mm-hmm. here. Sure. The figure turns back to Pikachu and speaks once more. Very well, another riddle. What is Blue came out in June of 2002 and is one of the best video games of all time. P. 
Pikachu also quickly responds. It's fucking Mega Man Battle Network 2, my friend. Let me just say, that is some exquisite taste in video games you have there. I totally agree. Oh Mega Man God. Battle Network for the Game Boy Advance is one of the best video games ever. The figure responds, yes, its sense of exploration was unparalleled for a Game Boy Advance game and gave the player a stellar sense of place in the town of ACDC. I love being able to jack into different electronic devices and ended up making the world feel very lived in. Plus, it's Mega Man. What's not to like? They both look at the camera and say, what's not to like? It's a good video game. <laughs> Another beer is presented to Pikachu, and a growing sense of satisfaction in being able to solve these riddles is blocking this still fucked up landscape around him. Mm. After giving Pikachu some time to drink, the figure speaks once more to say, the final riddle is perhaps more simple than the last. I simply require you to speak the words that I present to you on the scroll. Mm. The figure slides a small bit of ancient-looking paper across the table no. towards Pikachu. Oh, the no. Pikachu looks at it and in his head reads the word. Nothing too complicated, but certainly gives him a headache trying to read it. He says, Hey pal, I'm having a grand old time sitting here and having this intellectual discussion about hoo-ha, but I really do need to get back to where I'm from. If this is really the last riddle, I'll be needing you to send me back to my home, pronto. The figure bows slightly and says, Yes, of course, if you manage to complete this final riddle, I'll send you back from whence you came, unharmed and immediately. Pikachu squints and raises an eyebrow. From where I'm from, this would seem like a trap, but you have given me some very delicious crispy beer, so I am tempted to believe you. Hmm? There is a pause as Pikachu puts down his final beer and looks at the paper. He carefully speaks the word aloud and waits for something to happen. The world is still cold and quiet. The figure speaks and says, Thank you, friend. You have been very helpful. They bow, and in that instant, Pikachu performs a little jolt of electricity to see if he can't get a better look at them. Just before he is thrown back into his world, he manages to see what appears to be a long and thin snout with whiskers coming off of it, and a pair of wet, tentacled arms draping from the figure's robes. But before he can investigate any further, he finds himself back on the barstool in Falamore Town. Pikachu looks around to see if anyone noticed what happened to him, but if he didn't know any better, it would appear he came back in the same instant he left. However, upon returning, the figure that was beside him is now gone, and the small, small scroll that he read is in their place. Pikachu sees the parents of his trainer coming over to say hello. They wave at him and say as they approach, Oh, hello, Pikachu. We were just looking for you. Come over to our stand. Pikachu, relieved to be not reprimanded for his sneaky actions, nods and hops off the bar stool. The mother of the trainer spots the scroll that Pikachu had read aloud not just a few moments ago and picks it up. She's perplexed at what it means, but winces in pain as she reads it. She turns to Pikachu and says, P Pikachu, what? whose name is this and what's a rat? <sighs> Far off the coast of Hoenn and miles below the surface of the water, something ancient stirs. Its gargantuan limbs shake off millennia of deep <laughs> and dark rest. The thing's dreams filled with visions of terror of its own doing, finally sloughing off. The earth shudders in fear, remembering the last time this monster awoke. Its horrendous eyes glow in the pitch black depths of the ocean, knowing what is to come. Chet the Rat has returned, oh, and the true shit. harvest may begin. Oh no. The end. The end. Chet knew we were talking about him and cut off my internet. <laughs> oh, that's Tim, terrifying. From my, from my perspective, the moment I read What's a Rat, your internet just totally <laughs> shit. <laughs>
<laughs> Damn, that is... I can't believe it. So fucking appropriate. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, Cox, you actually did something good this time. <laughs> that was appropriate. You were appropriate. Appropriate response, Cox. To a truly terrifying force. Chet the Rat returns. Chet the Rat is the old one confirmed? Possibly. He's a old one. Sounds like it to me. Um, anyway, yeah. that's my story. That was great. One question. Think, yes. Poke beer is for people, not Pokemon. Either can drink. Okay. It's a little bit frowned upon that put that Pokemon in this town are drinking. Like, seems like maybe that's not chill. Uh-huh. Like, if you get, like, a drunk primate, that, like, might not go so good. It's gonna go bad. Yeah. It's gonna go bad. Pretty bad. Like, Pretty any bad. of those big Pokemon, if they get too intoxicated, is gonna be a, Snorlax, a challenge. A challenging a moment. One. Yeah. Entei. <laughs> Fuck. Bad. Any legendary bad, Pokemon? Bad, bad. Yeah, not not a good, Zapdos. Not a good time. Zapped. Fuck. Arceus just turns everybody into goo. I am your god, and I've had a few too many. Arceus is the wildest Pokemon to me. God. Yeah. Yeah. God Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What if Pokemon was God? It, it's pretty nuts to me that you're like allowed to catch that Pokemon. Yeah, the creator of everything. Like the moral implication of like. Making God your fighting monster is really wild. Why not, baby? They're really demanding that you do not look very hard at these video games. He really just chooses to be your Pokemon. You know what I mean? That's what we can tell ourselves, but I think we've killed God in that case. <laughs> we've killed God's agency and autonomy. God is dead and Gary Oak killed him. Oh. Wait, what's 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 Mr. Oak's first name? Samuel. Ugh, that doesn't feel good. That feels like a fake name that we yeah. just came up with. Oh, Professor Oak is Sammy. <laughs> that does not feel emotionally correct to me. No. Anyways. Anyways. Sam. Great story. I, I loved yours. It was very fun. Mm -hmm. You did a great job weaving Handsome Anson there. It's a great way to end Spooky Month. Yeah, yours was. Which is a shocking sentence to say. It's over. We've ended it. We may put it back in its coffin until next year. We've ended Spooky Month, but the old one, Chet the Rat, is still coming. <laughs> His I love that. Never end. I love that he has got a snout and tentacles. That was a very disturbing image to leave on. Absolutely, to yeah. leave that world on. I mean, my my idea is that his little like servants have like rat faces, but like squid arms, mm. much like uh, Mikolash uh -huh. in uh, Bloodborne, the dude who like you're chasing oh, around. Oh, sure, 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 sure. He sure, like sure, shoots sure, out sure. tentacles. He got at tentacle you. arms. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to get Bloodborne in here. Bloodborne slash Pokemon uh, mashup. Crossover when? Crossover when? <laughs> Come on, FromSoft. I know you've Come got on, Game Freak. Game Freak in your pockets. <laughs> no, I loved your story. Your story was so good. Thank you. Had me guessing. I had no idea what was going on. It's like, Didn't want could, to make it too obvious. Who could this mysterious hooded figure be? We both had hooded figures, which I enjoyed. Absolutely. Yours was, I think, very much more in canon to have hooded figures. Y you had to have a hooded figure in there somewhere. Yeah. Hard not to. That's their thing. Good. Good story to end off Good this, story. this series. Good job, everybody. Hello, friends, compatriots, goblins, ghouls, zombies. We're conscience. We're on Twitter. Oh, God, Jay-Z, man, I love your whole career, and I just wish that you could have phoned in the the verse on Monster, just like one extra little bit to not have that part of it. It was it was good until that part. So sad. 
Uh, we're on Twitter. We are at Podtimism. You can go there and talk to us about Twitter, <laughs> which is what everybody does on Twitter. Only conversations about Twitter are allowed on Twitter. They ban you if you talk about something else. This app's the um, best. Uh, we are also, if you would like to email us, you can send us one of those. Podtimism at Gmail. It's the, the handle you can get out there. Uh, we're also on TikTok. <laughs> Cursed sentence. Yes, at Pontimism. Oh, I'm man. just posting the videos that I post to Twitter also to TikTok. So we're on there if you want to go huck a like in there. Although I think that the algorithm works in mysterious ways. So mm. who knows what effect that'll have. Who it knows? may summon Chet the Rat. Spooky. Which is always a risk. Spooky. Chet the Rat. If you would like to help out the show, there are two very cool ways you can do that. One is to review it on Apple Podcasts or I think like follow it on Spotify. Just like, mm. you know, subscribe and shit like yeah. that. You know what you know what it is. That lets you know when we have new episodes. Yeah. All that's very good. Um, the second likely more effective thing you can do is tell Ira Glass, your gaming bud, that you have a cool podcast for him to listen to. And it could be this one. If Ira listened to our pod, oh my God. Man, that would be really great. Oh my God. That was that would be full podcast life right there. Yeah, I think I could I think we, I think at that point we would be obligated to end the show. It's just like oh, we're not coming back from we're not going up from here, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that would be uh, super helpful. However, uh, the most important part of this outro is a heartfelt and deep thank you. Thank you. From myself and David. From Chet, we, from Ansem. From, from both. From all these old gods that we've collected. Uh, yeah, it's very, very great to have people listening to it and enjoying the show. We love making it and clearly would do it if nobody listened to it. <laughs> that's, a, that's characteristic of the first few episodes. So. <laughs> That's, <laughs> you know, normal. Mm-hmm. It's really great that anybody listens to this. We appreciate you being here mm-hmm. and spending your ear minutes with us. That's that's it. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Beautiful. David, do you have any gaming wisdom to take us out to leave this spooky season? Yeah. Um, don't go to harvest festivals. Yeah. Bad things are going to happen potentially. I think some very cosmically rough stuff can happen at, at harvest festivals. Yeah. I don't think there's any harvest festival where weird, like either occult or supernatural stuff doesn't happen. Yeah. It you sort know? of seems like that, right? Maybe, maybe just like check the RSVP. Uh-huh. Yeah. See what's on the itinerary. Yeah. No, no uh, burning bears. No. We don't want anything like Be- that. Being turned into goo. Yeah, no goo, no gooification. No. There there is something spooky about a fall festival. It's it's the 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 precipice of winter is mm-hmm. what it feels like to me. Like you're entering the long night mm. and this may be the last time. This is the last outing for people. So people got to get their bad their bad out. Get those demons out get before away you go into holding. Yeah. Just like just just go on the website. Go to www.spookyharvestfestival.com. And see, like, what kind of events they got going on there. Because if one of them is turn people into goo, if one of them is throw everybody into a pit and summon Chet the Rat, or, I don't know, a viewing party of Joe Rogan's podcast, his most recent episode, like, any of that stuff, you can kind of just be like, all right, I think I'm going to skip this Harvest Festival this year. That domain is not taken, Chase. That domain is not taken. SpookyHarvestFestival.com check my math but i got nowhere yeah. with it wow i'm gonna redirect that to our our, um, <laughs> our anchor account <laughs> welcome <laughs> welcome all ye who enter i'm gonna set up a really shitty website with like 1990s gifts mm. beware those who enter oh hell yeah
<laughs> click if your soul is brave enough. Mm-hmm. It's like a very old JPEG of a skeleton with like a hand animated. This is like some like really blown out like audio of a <laughs> creaky door or something like that. <laughs> it's not actually someone laughing. It's just like a soundboard used to make a, a laughing sound. <laughs> yeah, that's the website. Oh yeah, this weekend. I love it. Oh yeah. Anyway. Have a good end of your Halloween, Have a good everybody. Spook. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that was the same sentiment. We were getting at the same thing. Yeah. See you next Halloween. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.